welcome to Limitless Women Podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Salord, and I'm committed to interview powerful and inspirational women from all around the world to share with you their successful stories despite all real life circumstances in order to help each other grow in all areas of our life. Really hope you're growing and getting better each day. Welcome back to another episode of Limitless Women Podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm super excited to share this interview. My guest today, Jessica Moforth, is a public speaker and registered holistic nutritionist. She started her career 15 years ago as a specialist in women's health and hormones and traveled around the world studying Tantra, teachings where sensuality meets spirituality in order to help men and women to create deeper intimacy within their marriage or relationships. I truly admire her energy, positivity, confidence, her drive to help others while they go through difficult times, and her teachings on how to reconnect with themselves and their self-worth. We dive into how she built her strong character by having dark periods in her own life, and how she rescued herself by giving her best and using all these life circumstances as a motivation to help others. Please share the episode with those people in your life who you think can learn and be inspired to move forward by this incredible woman. Enjoy! Well, I cannot explain how excited I am for this interview with you. I love your energy, your positive attitude, and the drive you have for life. It's really, really awesome. And I remember the first time I reached to you six months ago, And for one or another reason, we couldn't set up a meeting for this interview, but we are here today and it's what it counts. And there's lots of topics to explore and talk about with you today. And they will be really interesting to our listeners, especially women. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here speaking with you. And I'm glad that we were able to make it happen. Yes, I'm super happy. So I would like everyone to know a bit more about you. You are an HN and a CNP, and you will let us know a little bit what's the meaning of this and tell us a little bit of yourself before we jumped in. Okay, perfect. So again, my name is Jessica Moforth. I am a registered holistic nutritionist and certified nutritional practitioner. So that was kind of where I started and I specialized in women's health and hormones. And then what I've done since then is travel the world studying Tantra which is a combination of sacred sexuality meets spirituality, as well as I've been trained in conscious communication. So what I do is kind of a collective of all of it. And I bring a holistic lifestyle into relationships surrounding sacred sexuality, intimacy, and conscious communications. So I kind of talk about the taboos in life and relationship, the things that people don't always talk about and are a little bit more hesitant to open up about, but those are the things that I absolutely love. So when it comes to the holistic nutrition and lifestyle side that way, I really talk about taking care of ourselves as an individual in our bodies, our mental health, our hormonal regulation for the purpose of being able to show up as our best selves in our relationships as well as looking at different hormonal stuff such as libido and those types of things so that we can really take a holistic natural approach on those things so that when we come to our relationships, 
we've been set up powerfully to really open ourselves up and commit in a different level because we actually are comfortable and confident in who we are as an individual. And then what I do is I talk a lot about relationships from the side of building from an emotional connection versus just building a foundation on top of lust and infatuation. So that's where the sacred sexuality comes into play. And I use a lot of like Tantra principles around that and meditation and sensuality stuff all around intimacy and then really help individuals as well as couples learn how to have the right conversations and types of communication that works for them so that they can build and create a relationship that they've always desired. Because in reality, we see so many disconnects in our relationships, fears around them. That's why we have things like divorce through the roof right now, infidelity through the roof right now, or people just living through relationships that they're not truly happy in or satisfied with emotional disconnections or the fact that people's sex lives are seriously suffering because we have a stigma of sex around us that isn't so true. So I kind of talk about those and open up that that can of, people will say a can of worms, but to me, it's like a can of butterflies because I absolutely love the conversation around building intimacy within partnerships and using holistic approaches to help amplify that. Awesome. It's super interesting what you taught it and then how your life and your journey is changing over the time. And right now that you are doing still a holistic lifestyle and helping people in their relationships of what you do right now. It's super interesting mix. Never heard it before. (laughs) No, it's something that's totally random. And to be completely honest with you, it took me a lot to fully step into that because it's something that it's not like a doctor in this or a lawyer or an engineer or a fitness coach. Like It's not something where it's common or really has a label. And that's one thing that I could really offer the audience is it doesn't have to be a thing for it to be you. And that's where we really need to look inwards and stop focusing on the external. Because when you truly lean into what you love, what you're good at, you get to have the ability to create what that was. So I studied holistic nutrition and then I specialized in the women's health and hormones because I always had a love for the endocrine system and libido and pregnancy and all of that stuff. And through my journey of studying holistic health and then through my journey of studying sacred sexuality and conscious communication, I realized how important it is to actually have successful relationships to also have a successful relationship with yourself first. And what is important in that is taking care of ourselves, mind, body, and soul. And I chose to study that from a holistic standpoint and going natural and finding natural medicines and natural therapies as opposed to taking the conventional stance and really understand our body on a cellular level. Also, what's important about to me for a holistic lifestyle is understanding that we're all individuals. So it's not like what works for me is going to work for you and everybody else. It's really Mm -hmm. understanding holistic is about prevention and holistic is about individuality and looking at our core as opposed to looking at symptoms and treatments and categorizing everybody as a whole. So when I look at my background in holistic health, that's kind of how I help 
people on an individual level to take care of themselves. Because when you take care of yourself, you're then, you come from a full barrel. Like you've got more to give when you've actually added to your life. And you tend to be able to open up and be more vulnerable and transparent. And you have the energy and the libido to connect with your partner. When you're tired and you're run down and you're confused with what you're doing in life and you're anxious and you're not sleeping well and all of those things, it's really hard to take a shaky foundation and then go apply that and connect that with another person. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I really help relationships as the partnership, but I also implement the tools and the importance of looking at ourselves as individuals because we need to know what we bring to the table in our partnership. We need to know what our values and beliefs are and what's important to us and what we need in a partnership for us to be able to make that partnership work. And if we don't do the work on ourselves to take care of ourselves, mind, body, and spirit, then it's going to be very hard to share that with a partner to be able to create that dynamic and that desirable relationship, whether it's a marriage or whatever, with that partner. Absolutely. And even more when two people have different mindsets, sometimes it's really complicated to be on the same ball. And totally. it's absolutely complicated. It's challenging on the everyday life. It's really interesting that we can dip in on this topic so we can have more easy relationship in that way For and sure. connection. And I love how you said it's challenging and it's not easy because you're absolutely right. And one thing I say all the time is relationships aren't easy, but you know what? They're not supposed to be. Our relationships are supposed to be our biggest teachers in life. Mm -hmm. And if you look at relationships as something that's not meant to be easy, but it's meant to be fulfilling, it's meant to allow you to grow to your best self. Like literally there is nothing in life that will help you grow to become a better version of you than your intimate relationship, which is why there's so many people that avoid that is because it truly involves you cracking yourself open and looking your shadows right in the face and doing things that you don't necessarily feel comfortable doing, but still leaning in and doing it anyways. So I love that you mentioned that because that is a lot of the case. And that's it's supposed to be that way. But there's no growth in comfort, right? And that doesn't mean that your relationship is supposed to be hard. And it's supposed to be unfulfilling and scary and all these things all the time. There's a lot of beauty that comes in it. But if you go into it knowing that you're going to be triggered, you're going to be challenged, you're going to feel uncomfortable at times, and you're okay with that, and you you choose to lean into that, you're going to be a better person for it, but you're also going to allow that same opportunity for your partner as well. I agree. And I think in a relationship, if you don't grow and you don't learn all the time, then you might be not in the right relationship. <laughs> so I think for it's sure. all about like growing. And it's, uh, again, I'm repeating, it's really challenging. And when you jump in a relationship, thinking that it's going to be always like rainbows and flowers. And then you have the first challenge and it's like, oh no, second, oh no, third one's like, oh no, this might not be for me. But well, it's all about part of relationships. And if your partner doesn't help you to grow in so many different areas of our life, it doesn't mean there are challenges to challenges. Like let's not confuse girls. If you 
are on the wrong relationship, we have red flags. So right, it should not be an abusive relationship. This is exactly. not okay. He keeps ghosting me, or he keeps breaking up with me, or any of these. This is not mind games. This is talking about the opportunity where you have a disagreement or a different stance, a different perception on things. And instead of saying, you're wrong, I'm right, and I'm getting out, or you need to change, or you try to control the situation, this is saying, okay, we have two different perceptions on a situation. Now we need to make a choice. How? What do we need to do on an individual level to ground ourselves? to be able to open up, to have a conscious communication style with our partner to say, this is what's going on for me. This is how I perceived the interaction. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I need in this moment. And I'd like to hear the same thing from you as well so that we can choose to grow through this interaction as opposed to sweep it under the rug and be in denial over it. But the great thing is, is we've all been in situations where we've had that anxiety around our partner and we've questioned the entire relationship. We've stressed out, we've walked on eggshells. And then finally, when we've had the opportunity to have a conversation, we feel so much more connected to that person. And then you look back and you're like, I just stressed out for four days, not eating right, not sleeping right, disconnected from everybody, including my partner. When I just had a conversation, we heard each other out without the listening of someone needing to be right and wrong. When you're in a partnership, you're not committed to the other person. You're committed to the partnership. So this is not about winning because if you win and he loses, you both lose. If he wins and you lose, you both lose. The only time you win is if you both win. If you don't, you both lose. You're a partnership, you're a team, you're here to do this and evolve together, evolve as individuals and then evolve as a third identity that you've committed to called mm-hmm. your partnership. It takes a while. It's not overnight. It no. takes some time and effort. But when you get to that stage, you feel much lighter. Of course. And that's another great point you made is it's not overnight, but it's also not over a year or five years. It's something mm-hmm. that will be the evolution of your entire relationship. You will have different ways of being, different ways of thinking from the time that you meet to the time that you die because you're human beings. You come from different backgrounds. You've gone through different experiences. You're triggered by different things. You have different lives that continuously evolve as an individual as well that you're not gonna be married for 20 years and then everything is blissful. Maybe you've acquired better communication styles over practice. Maybe you've better understood your partner so that you can know their triggers and stuff and you respect that more. And maybe you know how to better navigate the relationship, but that doesn't mean that you're always going to have, like you said, the rainbows and roses that makes everything easy. But that would be boring. Human beings just want things to be easy and always flawless. If you were in a relationship that never had any sort of friction, there would never be that heat that you need Mm -hmm. created that creates that steamy, loving connection. Agree. And it's not like the type of fights and discussions that involves insulting or like taking the other one down or anything like that. It's just like, exactly. It's just like friction in that, ah, you're driving me crazy in this way, but let's continue. Let's grow up and let's pass it on. And that's, that's another great point is it's, it's the friction in the sense where you then are reminded 
that you are in a relationship with a different human being, not you. You're not dating yourself, that this person is still very much a unique individual separate from you. Even though he's called your husband, he's still his own identity. He's still his own man and you're still your own woman. And if we're speaking right now to men and women in heterosexual relationships, we also have to understand that men and women are very different. We're very equal, but we come designed with different strengths and weaknesses for a reason. And women communicate differently. And we, on an individual level, naturally communicate differently as women, but there are certain patterns of men and women that have been studied that we also have differences with men and women that are very beautiful, that when you recognize Mm. that instead of women treating men like, I don't know, hairy buff women, we can actually understand them as men and love them as men. The same way we, we don't want men to think that women are just clean shaven men. You know what I mean? If we come in understanding that I am a woman, you're a man, yes, that looks different for different people, but there are some similarities within women and within men that make us different, then it's more of a curiosity to be like, okay, so as a man, like, how does this show up for you? And what are some common traits? And what are your listening styles and your communication styles and all of those types of things, which we don't, we just assume that because we are a certain way, that they must be that certain way. And that's why we can get into trouble sometimes when we're speaking to our girlfriends about men. Mm-hmm. They have the same, they, as a woman, they still have similar backgrounds to us that they may not understand. So I can also offer that when you are having the conversations about your partnership, that you are speaking to non-bias opinions, that you don't want to have those conversations with the friends that are going to crap on him or want him talking to the guys that are going to crap on you. You want to be able to talk to the people in your life, whether they're men or women, that are going to be like, okay, Jess, so what do you want? Like, What is the outcome that you're looking for? Or how did you contribute to this? Or what can you do differently? that is going to show up where you can have a conversation that is going to get to the root of it. Because I can promise you the triggers and the fights and the disagreements and stuff that we have in relationships never usually have to do with what actually happened. It's usually triggered something underneath that has allowed us to put on a defense and shut things down. So when we're- Plus expectations. And expectations are huge, huge. And usually our expectations come from our past past relationships, what was done or wasn't done, the way we were raised in our family and school and church and different things. Like the way we were raised from young has created these these ways of being. It's called social heredity that can create these expectations that we put on the other person, forgetting that they also have their own social heredity and they may not understand to have the same views as we do. But we'll never know that until we actually have that conversation with them and say, okay, babe, I love you. And right now I feel yucky or I feel disconnected or I feel triggered, but I want to actually explore this with you. Are you willing to have that conversation? And it's also understanding what needs to happen first. Like, do you need to go for a walk? Do you need to do a meditation? Do you need to take a couple of deep breaths? How do you handle the situation where you can come back and actually speak to each other like two people that genuinely love each other, not two people that are like, at each other's throats. Another topic that I would add on the list 
is comfort. How comfortable you feel with your partner and how comfortable you make them feel with you. Because when there's no comfort, we cannot connect on a deeply way. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand as women that they are sensitive as well and that they are vulnerable. And men have to understand that it's okay to be sensitive and being vulnerable if they want to just hug us or if they feel sad or stressed out or it's really important for them to understand that they can come to us. Yeah. Like, you know, like they have like this image of big men. I'm not going to feel sad or anything, yeah. but it's okay. We are human beings. For sure. Emotional safety, you just nailed it on the head, is, is so important for both people in the relationship because men have feelings and emotions the same way that we do. And they've all come from their own path as well that we need to allow the emotional safety to be for them. But we also need to let our partners know what emotional safety looks like for us without the expectation that they already know. And in today's day and age, we have sex everywhere. You literally have sex in hamburger commercials, shampoo commercials, sports, music, everything. Like it's in everything that we do. And we've been taught that to create a powerful relationship, there needs to be sexual chemistry. You need to have that like desire, that unrelenting desire for it to be successful. The thing is, is if you don't have the emotional safety, like you mentioned, that electrifying chemistry is only going to take you so far because what continues the sexual chemistry is the safety to know that you can open up and explore your deepest desires through your triggers, through your shadows, through your pains to be able to keep that going. So what's happening is we're living in a world where people are creating relationships on the foundation of lust and infatuation. I met this guy, I met this girl, they turned us on, we wanted to jump their bones, they took control. I was assertive, they were dominant, vice versa, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, it fizzles out. And it's because we have not created the emotional connection that allows us the safety we need to open up. And as we go through the layers, be able to expose our deeper, not necessarily secrets, but our traumas and our triggers and our fears and then we're, we're disconnected, and then we say the relationships don't work. But if we come from a different perception of saying, yes, is it important to have an attraction to the person? Absolutely. Is sexual chemistry important? Very much so. But you'll have better sexual chemistry if you've allowed yourself to first build a foundation on emotional connection. Get to know the person as an individual what is their like what are their values what are their beliefs how do they communicate what are their communication styles are they committed are they loyal and wanting the same things that you are and as you grow in that way and you've still got your attraction it allows you to open up and the more you feel safe whether you're a man or a woman it doesn't matter the more a human being feels safe in a relationship the more devoted they'll be able to be the more they'll be able to give the more they'll be able to receive love because that's a huge thing right now is not being able to receive the love our partner gives back which then takes from them and then they get all triggered internally without even knowing it. So 
also emotional safety and emotional connection is far more superior to a foundation of a relationship than sexual chemistry. And watch how the sexual chemistry will skyrocket Mm -hmm. when you've got the emotional connection. But it all comes down to emotional safety, like you said, comfort. And what happened when, well, through your experience, when a couple is super committed, really loyal to each other, in love to each other, physically attracted, Mm -hmm. and they cannot connect in a deeper way when they are having intimacy. Okay, so first, we all need to look at ourselves first. So what is disconnecting us from ourselves? So everything in life is a mirror. So if I'm in a relationship and there's lack of intimacy, assuming that you're speaking of sexual intimacy, correct? Yeah, actually in both because... uh, Intimacy intimacy, in general? Yeah, in general. Okay. So where are you feeling a lack of intimacy with yourself? And I see this so often and it happens a lot when we're overworked and feeling burnt out when we're not taking care of ourselves. So this is where I saw the importance of bringing in my experience and education in holistic lifestyle into relationships is because we have been taught through movies, even Disney movies, all that type of stuff that our love and our intimacy comes from outside of ourselves. It doesn't start there. We have to be that way. You hear the saying, you've got to be able to love yourself first before anybody can love you. That is so dead on and it goes with intimacy and sexuality too. If you are detached from your own sexual energy, if you are not providing your own intimacy, if you are not taking care of yourself and showing you on a mental, physical, and spiritual level love, you cannot expect that it's just going to naturally show up from your partner. And that comes down to pleasure as well. So many times the man feels obligated to provide pleasure to his woman or the woman is expecting that he is the one that's going to allow her to have an orgasm. If we don't understand the anatomy of our bodies, the anatomy and physiology of our arousal and pleasure points, we can't expect him to come in and be a mind reader. We're so different. As much as we have so many similarities as women, we also are very unique. We look different, feel different, smell different, the way our our bodies are turned on is very unique to us. And we've got to understand what that is and the power that's within that so that when we show up in an intimate situation, we are not expecting from them. We're actually showing up as a whole complete woman sharing ourselves in an experience with another whole and complete person. And then it takes the pressure off So now it's easier to be fun-loving and chill in the intimate situation, whether that's sexual intimacy or just hugging and hand-holding, or maybe it's an intimate conversation to just create an emotional connection with our partner. Maybe it's the flirting and the banter back and forth or the, the personal touch while you're connecting over making dinner. Like all of that is intimacy, but if you're not connected to you on an intimate level, it's going to be very hard to connect to the other person, which we hear often the conversation, well, he doesn't touch me, he doesn't do this, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't. What are you doing for yourself that you don't feel the need to take from him? If you're filling yourself up as a whole woman, then what he's doing is just a bonus. 
but you then have a different mindset because what he's doing is overflowing your cup because your cup's already full because you're choosing to take care of yourself to have that cup already full. When that cup's empty, what happens is it shows up as attachment. It shows up as needing. And as much as I believe that there are dependencies in relationships that are very healthy because you depend on your partner for certain things, when it becomes a needy attachment because you feel less than without that person showing up that way, that's where there's a problem. And that's where we need to work on with you on an individual basis to say, babe, where is it that you're not loving yourself in your life? Where is it that you're not taking care of yourself? Where is it that you're not feeling fulfilled in who you are, that you're feeling like you need to take it from him to feel satisfied? It all makes sense. And I love that you are touching this very important point when it comes to the level of confidence as human beings. When we are lacking confidence, it can be reflected really easily. And we don't let things flow in any way. One of the things that I love about you is the first time I spoke to you in the phone and I'm seeing you right now, even through video, the way you talk, the way you express a body language and everything, it's literally screaming confidence. (laughs) Oh my gosh, thank you. I know that you have been through a tough journey since you were a teenager. We're going to talk about a topic with all my respect. You were raped. That was your first sexual experience. And your confidence level, if people wouldn't know that this happened to you, would never, ever guess. So tell us a little bit more of how much work you put on to be the woman you are today. Sure. Thank you so much for your kind words. Like I really appreciate it. And I've heard that before where people that hear my story, they're like, I would never have known. And that's the thing is there's a lot of, and I don't want to just say women, there's a lot of people that have had experiences that have happened to them that they've either worked through them or they've hidden them because they don't want to work through them. But we just don't know what people have truly gone through. So for me, I grew up a tomboy. I was not that like boys didn't chase after me in the schoolyard or I wasn't like Miss Popular for graduations and that type of stuff. I I like to play sports and just kind of, yeah, tomboy. And then when I went to high school, my body changed quite a bit. I kind of like leaned in a little bit more to my femininity as opposed to being a tomboy. And then at 15, that seemed to have all been taken away from me. And it was my first sexual experience and it was unwilling. And at the time, it was a very confusing situation for me because I went from not being desired at all to now being so desired that somebody needed to forcefully take from me my sexuality is what it felt like. And there was a very conflicting conversation inside of me that was like, I don't understand why or how. I don't understand how I wasn't able to protect myself. I felt really weak when I was also an athlete. So that didn't make sense to me. I felt very dirty. Like I literally wanted to wash my body in bleach because it just felt gross. And it was so confusing. There was a lot of like guilt and shame and fear and confusion and overwhelm and anger and all of that. It showed up in my life as like silence. I shoved it down. 
And I just kind of, I was, I didn't know who to talk to it, who to talk about it with. I didn't know, I got threatened that if I opened my mouth that and went to the police that he would come after my brothers and my family and destroy my reputation and all these things. So I didn't, I didn't say anything. I kept it to myself and it took many, many years for it to come out. And I realized it actually took about 14 years for me to fully heal from this because I wasn't actually looking at it. I would be able to say, yeah, I forgave him. It's fine. It's but it wasn't forgiving. It was actually just being like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm strong and independent. I don't need you. I've got me. And I would push it all away. And I would heavily get into self-development and all those types of things. And even in nutrition school and holistic lifestyle stuff and conscious communication and Tantra, you learn all these things and they surface. But it really was Tantra that made the biggest difference for me is seeing myself as a sexual being and understanding the residual impacts and that trauma has on the body and on the mind and on the spirit and, and how we can actually find purpose within all of that. And it was a very scary situation for me, but I knew that the relationships, if I looked at the history of the relationships that I had after and the way that I viewed men or the lack of trust that I had in men and the certain type of man that I was attracting into my life, I could see that there was a common denominator. And as much as I didn't want to admit that the common denominator was me, I knew it was. And I knew it finally at one point when I was in a relationship that I knew that I did not want to be in, I made the choice where I was like, something's got to change and nothing's going to change until I look it in the face. And I really started jumping into different types of therapies and developmental courses. And then I'm a reader. I love books and I've been a reader in this realm for probably 20 years. So I started to apply what I was reading in my life. I started opening up and talking about it. And the more I spoke about it, the more I had other people relating to me which then triggered me more to be like, mm-hmm. okay, this is not just about me anymore. This is about other people. Mm-hmm. And through that journey, there were two things that came out. First of all, I want to make it known that rape and sexual assault is not okay in any level, like not acceptable in any means. And it was a situation that happened to me. It's not who I am. And as soon as I was able to see the difference between a situation, kind of like how I woke up and I made a smoothie for breakfast, my smoothie is not who I am. And I'm not trying to say the severity levels of a smoothie and rape are the same. They're not. But when you can actually look at it as simply, I woke up and I had a smoothie for breakfast, it's not who I am. It's just a situation. It allowed me to then detach where for so many years I was just, and I had been raped. Therefore, I had this visual or this perception or this whatever lens, we'll call it, of rape. And that disconnected everybody around me from me. It protected, it was like a blockage that kept certain situations, certain people. And I was in this hyper defense mode all the time, even when I didn't want to, because I didn't know how to be anything else but that. So when I looked at it as something that, yes, is very disgusting and very wrong, but it was a situation 
It was an experience. It is not who I am and it does not define me. I was able to detach from that and see that hurt people hurt people. And this man has deep pain within himself that allowed him to make a choice that was a disgusting choice that was not okay. But it's not going to rape me for the rest of my life because of the fact that I sat in the pain over and over. If anything was going to change, I had to take the responsibility to say, what am I going to do with this now? Instead of constantly going back and viewing men as a 15-year-old girl that had been raped. That set me free in many ways. And I also can say that I found my purpose in the experience. I found that the journey that I had to take to heal, everything I've learned in that journey, the people that I've been able to meet, the relationships I've been able to create, the voice that I have now to stand for other people, men, women, children, and adults, people that are elderly that have gone through sexual trauma, it's global. And now I can have the ability to stand and speak about this for the people that have yet to find the strength and the courage within themselves to do that. And it has nothing to do with who I am. This is not just, this is literally just sharing that I'm not anyone special. That if I was able to do this, so can you. And your journey will and may look very different than mine, but you don't have to identify with the experiences that have happened to you. How long it took you to speak out? About 14 years. I would read books and I would do different developmental stuff, but when it actually came to verbally speaking it aloud, about 14, 14 years. So wow, that's a long time, but you never express it to parents or to psychologists. Psychologists, no, not at that time. I had a friend that knew about it. She didn't know all the details. She just knew something had happened. That took me probably like five or six years. My parents found out because there was a, a situation where he ended up on the news and it triggered me and my parents could see that there was an impact on me in that moment and ask questions. And even they didn't get the full detail. It wasn't until about 29 when I was like, nope, this is a situation that happens to a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that are suffering from this. And I need to have that conversation because I'm tired of the way I looked at it was the whole interaction probably took three to four hours. But in reality, I allowed that situation to continue for 13 to 14 years after. And if I'm going to do this, there's so many other people that are still doing that, that I need to speak about this. And I was fortunate enough to get asked to compete in a speaking competition where I spoke about this. And I spoke about later being assaulted again and how I handled that situation and came from a place of love and forgiveness to really make a difference in sexual trauma versus creating more stigma and shame and fear around it. Because the more we have a conversation coming from an open place, the more we're going to make an impact to truly transform sexual trauma as opposed to it supposedly being a black and white conversation when, when it's not. And it's not an easy conversation to have, but it's Absolutely something not. that we, we need to come from a different perception to actually be able to, to allow things to change and, and hating and blaming and tearing down other people even when they've made disgusting choices, is not actually going to elevate them to heal and be better people. 
if anything, it's going to bring them down more. So I've been able to find forgiveness and love to the men that assaulted me, the two men that had assaulted me in my life. And I made those choices not for them, but for me to set myself free so that I can finally take my life back. And in the process, I genuinely send them love to find the healing that they need to be able to set themselves free from whatever it is that allowed them to make those choices in the first place. Wow. The strong woman that you are right now, it's what have you been built over the time. Even though you were like quiet on this for a long, long time, it took you to the place that you are right now. And that's and I amazing. About it. I love who I am and I love what I have to offer. And that's not to say that my life is easy or seamless right. or all those things. Like we still have all of our challenges. I'm still, I'm just a girl. You know what I mean? Like I'm still a human. Mm-hmm. I still go through human experiences. But when I look back at my journey, it makes me even feel emotional to think that I love who I am. And I know that this is within other people. And if my journey on this life is to be able to share that with other people so that they can experience that purity and wholeness and connection on the inside of them, then I would not change a single experience that has happened to me in my life. Looking at you right now, I'm telling you how happy I am that you can feel this way. As a woman, I'm telling you, it's really awesome. You mentioned something which I loved and saying, this is not about me any longer. It's mm-hmm. about others because so many people experience this unfortunate situation. If what happened, you can help others. Incredible. Jumping a little bit to the beginning, what inspired you to start being a holistic nutritionist and then holistic lifestyle and then how it turned to the pattern that you're right now? So I've always been, if you can tell, a very deep person. I've never been able to live life on the surface. So for me, when it came to wellness, I needed to understand it more on a deeper level. And what we're taught is not so much on that level. So I, that's what made me jump into holistic because it was more about prevention. It was more about developing or exploring the core of things, whether it's, it's not just holistic nutrition, it's a whole lifestyle. It's understanding the why we do things, where it's coming from, where we need to transform on a deep level versus just treating symptoms. And that's not just symptoms in an, like a physical ailment. It's a symptoms of like a mental process, like the way you think, where your beliefs have come from, prevention of disease and conditions and the foods that we eat and the way that we move our body And a big one is breath work and really understanding the anatomy and the physiology of our cells and the way breath has an impact on that and food has an impact on that and sleep and sunshine and communication and love and connection. All of that is all essential for human being. And we can't just do some of this and not that. We need to have that. And I hate the word balance. I don't think we ever are balanced. But I think that there's a a harmony and a synergy in where we are at in our lives in this moment and what we are choosing to do in that moment for the greater good, for a purpose. We need to be more intentional. And for me, holistic is intentional. It's not just trying to put a band-aid on things, whether that's a band-aid on your relationship, whether that's a band-aid on a disease or a condition, whether it's a band-aid on a wound, 
like rape and sexual assault. It's having those hard conversations, talking about the taboos in life and relationship and exploring it in a deeper level so that we can truly crack things open and evolve from them. And that's kind of what's fueled my passion along the way. I've always had such a love for depth and a love for intimacy and a love for women. And when we speak about like the women's movement and women's National Women's Day and feminism, I don't identify so much as being a feminist because I find that there is layers to feminism. I agree 100%. I'm very pro-woman, very pro-woman. And what feminism looks like to me is owning my strengths as a woman, as an individual woman, what that looks like, but also elevating and loving on other women and not comparing myself to them and partnering up in collaborations and creating tribes of women because women need women. But what I really don't like is anti-men. I am very pro-men. I love men. I used to fear men and now I adore men. I respect men. I honor men. We need men. And that's where I am resistant to being so pro-feminism is because there are layers of feminists that that hate on men. And I don't find that acceptable. I also don't find that proactive. Mm -hmm. So I very much stand for men as much as I stand for women in, in all of their unique, delicious goodness and their emotions and their feelings and their strengths and their courage to be who they are in a world that tells them that they need to be less human in their emotions and also that they're perpetrators, that they're, they're angry and that they take sex and that they're cheaters and liars and manipulators. I think there are way more heroes, male heroes in our world than there are abusers. And I think that those men need to be acknowledged. There's hurt people in this world and that comes in the form of both men and women of all race, ethnicity, sexual orientation and age. And I think that those people need love and support so that we can actually make a transformation in their healing. But I believe that deep down there are more men and women in this world that truly identify as love and nothing else. And they're still humans. They still make mistakes. I'm not talking about people like raping and stuff, but there are going to, like, we're all human. We all have our own journeys, but I can never stand and talk about diminishing a man in any way. And I I love the conversation that we're having that talks on both sides and the partnerships between men and women, but also the love and respect that we have for women supporting women and men supporting men and also men supporting women. Because there are a lot of men out there that very much stand for us in in equal rights and, and love and honor us back. And I think the combination of all of that continuously fuels me because I love seeing women and women and men and men and women and men. And that's I'm all coming together as a co-created collective that really stands for a greater purpose. And to me, that greater purpose is love. There's nothing else but that. And I know that when I connect to my heart and my love, is that is what I project and that is what I attract and that is what mm-hmm. I stand for. I don't care where you've come from or where you want to go. If it's coming from love, I'm there to stand with you. A hundred percent agree with you. Wow, love it. And it's going to sound cliche probably, but we need them. They need us. And together we're better. Together we're better. As a woman with women, men with men, and men with women. Yep. What makes you happy, excited in your daily life? Um, <laughs> anything deep. I know I've said it before, but Whenever anything is open, anyone is open to having a conversation about the depth of something, 
it just sparks an interest in me, whether it's something that I know about or something that I don't know about it. If it means that I'm going to grow and learn, I'm a learner. As if I'm learning something, I love it. I'm one of those people that if you get my brain going and you can make me laugh, I'm a sucker for it. So if I'm connecting with other people and having a good time on an authentic level of exploring what truly matters in life, that is something that really gets me going. I really also love my, my own time to just be with myself and, and kind of ground that way so that I can fill up my barrel, like I said earlier, so that I have more to give. I really just, I love giving and I love when I could be a part of something that in turn puts a smile on somebody else's face. When I have a client or even just yesterday when I sat in my car after this situation, I was like, that is what is important in my life. I keep, and this sounds so cheesy, but I keep a big bag of like clean socks and organic granola bars in my car. And if I come across a homeless person, I just give them a pair of socks and an organic granola bar. Not that organic, I guess, matters in this situation. And I give it to them. So I was driving home last night and there was a gentleman and he was on the side of the street and I just handed him this clean pair of socks and a granola bar and the love and the, the genuine like gratitude from him. When I got home, I turned my car off and I was like, I want to do more of that. Like this is what makes me feel so good inside mm-hmm. is when I'm just able to offer something, whether it's a service or a gift or something if I'm able to offer that to somebody else that truly makes a difference in their life, that matters to me. And that's, it doesn't matter. Like I could have the worst day ever. And that would have, that simple little thing would have transformed that for me. So I find that when I am in my own head and stressed out and not coming from that place of love and giving, and I know that sounds cliche, but is when I, when I get caught up and when I'm able to be like, okay, what do I need to do? Usually it's like, okay, who can I go and help? And usually it gets me off of it so quick. So fulfilling. Like it's so that. fulfilling. Yeah. And I love that you're saying about the socks because I've been volunteering to, to Socks for Soul. That's where I got that. Oh, I was going to say, if you need more, I get you any quantity of socks. Perfect. I yeah. love it. And it makes such a difference when you're cold or you've got crappy socks. A good, thick, nice pair of socks is makes a difference. And a yummy granola bar, it's like, I would rather contribute in that way that is going to provide you some comfort and some nourishment. So it's the little things. And then I'm cheesy where I absolutely love cuddling. I'm also a foodie. So like cooking a good meal and and then cuddling on the couch and things like that, just totally a bubble bath. I love it. Those are the little things that I just, that light me up. What are the parts of your disciplines or routines that makes you feel alive and in harmony? Prayer and meditation. The days that I don't have prayer and meditation in my life, I definitely feel a little bit more, maybe you could say overwhelmed or just kind of like disconnected. So prayer and meditation are huge. Drinking water, sleep is also very important to me. Right now I find with everything that's going on, I feel like sleep is weird but I see the difference in my life. So I need to be disciplined in making sure that I get a good night's sleep and also getting outside. And I lately I've been getting out and going for runs and just absorbing the sunshine. Those are things that, that are important to me. And when it comes to like eating and stuff, as much as I'm a holistic nutritionist, 
I always say I'm not a robot, but to <laughs> me, it's so important to get natural whole foods into my body. But also, I love chocolate. So, and yes, I, I like the finer quality chocolate, but I love chocolate and chocolate chip cookies. And I will eat those sometimes, but it's not like my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I make sure that I have like fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and beans and all those things and a, a good amount of water and, and reminding myself to breathe throughout the day because it's so fast paced. Even finding in social isolation right now, I'm you don't feel so more tired. We are connected through technology that I feel that technology absorbs our energy in a certain totally. way. I totally. am physically tired most of the days from the week. And I feel really like I'm, I'm still go, go, go. Like it does not mm. feel like, yes, I'm not running from place to place, but I'm still busy. And by I'm the end of the day, I still feel like, wow. So that's why what I notice is even in the comfort of my own home, that in between calls and stuff, it's important for me to go and make a tea or have a cup of water to take a couple deep breaths. If I have 10 minutes to do or 10 or 15 minutes to do a meditation, I do those things. And I also make sure that I connect with my girlfriends because having that girl talk, it's so easy, especially when you've now brought work into your home. Yes. It's easy to make your home about your work. And and next thing you know, you've forgotten the personal side of you. And as much as I love my work and I love what I do, and it's very much a part of my personal life, it's still important for me to have my girlfriends and to vent or to just watch a movie or to sleep in or to like, I don't know, cook a big meal and like do these things. So for me, I say a little bit more, I wouldn't say I'm a super disciplined person, but I pay, I, I'm an intuitive person. So where I'm disciplined is asking myself, what is it that I need? And if that's to get out and go for a run or go for a walk or listen to music and dance around my house or go and pray or go and write or go and meditate or whatever. I find that like even listening to worship music and stuff really just connects me back to my relationship with God and spreading love and understanding that yes, our world is changing and our world is always changing. It just happens to be changing in a way that we've never seen right now, but not to succumb to the fear of it all, but to see the beauty within it and how we can show up for other people and evolve through this this process. And we have to make those choices to make ourselves feel good because it's not going to happen. The bath isn't going to fill itself. The food is not going to cook itself. The run is not just going to happen. The prayer is not going to happen. You have to... And this is not magical either. (laughs) No, no. You have the tools. What do you choose to do? Do you choose to sit in your discomfort and stay in it longer? Or do you say, okay, right now, things are a little uncomfortable for me. What What do I need right now to make myself feel better, but also not avoid what it is. Because remember, discomfort can teach us things. So it's like, do I need to go for a run, clear my head, and then come back to what's happening? So I I choose based on intuition of what I need. But also, I am very aware of where I want to go. So I'm not going to be like, okay, I don't want to deal with this. And I push it away. It's like, what do I need to open myself up to explore what's currently happening? Because I don't want to continue to sit in it. I love that you said that you pray before meditating because most people, they combine both. And I do exactly the same. I first pray and then I meditate. There was, I forget. Completely different. So different. And I find, I forget who said it. There is a quote and it talks about how prayer is when you talk to God and meditation is when you get to hear from him. 
And that's why I separate the two is because there's times that you need to be silent because it's not one of those things where you're like, Hey God, and he's going to come in and you're going to hear this strong voice and all is going to be well. Maybe, maybe there are some people that have had that. And that would be great if all of a sudden you can have a conversation like you and I are having, but usually that's not always the situation. However, you can create that situation. And what that looks like is, is prayer and then silence to be able to open yourself up to receive the intuitive messages that are being delivered. Absolutely. Just like we have to pay attention because they are always there if we ask always. for it. If we ask for it and then we listen. Exactly. <laughs> I am in the search of what makes women happy. Okay. So I, I think like happiness is like overestimated and really cliche and happiness for everyone. It's different things. So I would love to know what makes you happy. Ah, what makes me happy? That's such a fun question because I believe that happiness in life is knowing that you're not always going to be happy. And to truly understand happiness, you need to experience the other side of happiness. It's kind of like the darkness and the light is you wouldn't know what light was unless you got to experience the dark. So what makes me happy is understanding that there's there's peaks and valleys to happiness and, and it's always evolving and changing in that moment. And really to me, happiness is connection, true connection to other people and finding love within that authenticity and just vulnerability. The simple things like a chocolate chip cookie and a bubble bath and a cuddle would totally make me happy. But a conversation about relationship, like whether it's a relationship with my best friend or an intimate partner or whatever it is, if we can actually talk about the meaningness between us, to me, that is happiness and then giving, showing up for other people and offering being of service and assistance. And I know that sounds cliche, but it does. It makes me happy even in the moments where I don't want to do it because I'm triggered or tired or whatever. But afterwards, I've never shown up for somebody or given something to somebody and walked away from it being like, oh, I feel crappy that I just helped that person. No, I always leave going, okay, thank you. And, and it just makes everything else seem to be better. So interesting. This is like so particular. That's why I always like to ask this because from absolutely everyone being happy or have the happy, fulfilling moments, totally different for everyone. One thing I would also add to that is, sure. and I think this is a conversation that not a lot of women talk about all the time that I'm going to say is money. I also, what makes me happy is when I get to do what I love and be of service and also abundance is attracted into my life so that I'm able to take care of myself. Because at the end of the day, it costs money to have a home and to have food and to travel and to alternative approaches. So for me, money is also, I don't think that money just naturally will make you happier, but I believe that when you create a lifestyle, money can assist Mm -hmm. in that and that without money, it would be a different situation. But I also look at money as energy and exchange. So and feeling of independence. Yeah. In a certain way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about your business, what you're doing right now? And this time, how is challenging on your business? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been quite a quite an experience to navigate. So I am a coach. So I still do coaching one on one. Before we did or before we got into the pandemic, I always did my coaching online anyway. So I'm still doing a lot of coaching through Zoom and writing programs that way. 
whether it is for, I do it for both men, women, and men and women together. Where it has shifted is I've ran retreats and workshops and I get asked quite a bit to speak at other people's events and on podcasts and YouTube channels and all those things. And that is where it's changed because obviously we can't do events and all the events have been canceled and retreats have been canceled. So my personal retreats and workshops have been canceled, but also the events that I have been invited to to go speak at have been canceled. Some of them have gone online, which are great. And then some of them are literally waiting for things to pick up. So I would say that right now my business has been a lot more of the coaching one-on-one. And I also use a ton of essential oils. Essential oils are one of my favorite modalities for personal care, natural medicine, but and also utilizing as aphrodisiacs and libido boosters and that type of stuff in intimate relationships. So I would say that the essential oils has been huge because people are still trying to navigate their relationships through the pandemic because they're around each other all the time. So what happens is when you have that and you don't have certain types of communication, you lose that friction. You get so used to that person and you want to, you're also navigating your own life and what the pandemic looks like for you and the fears around that. And now you're trying to bring that into a relationship. So I've been working a lot with partners around that, but I also have been working with a lot of essential oils, bringing those into people's home because it can be directly sent to them where they then can work on their libido, but also work on, they actually have the tangible tool. So people really get a lot out of having a tangible tool because it cha- it, it's almost like a pivot for their mind. So when they have like the diffuser going or they've created a massage blend or a different type of oil, like a lube, then it works with their body chemistry, but it also makes their brain pivot. So it's not just like they've gone to bed together, like something is different, something is new, something is exciting. It's enticing to their pheromones. It's enticing to all of their senses, what they see, what they smell, what they feel, what they taste, all of that. So it creates a different environment. So I'd say right now, my biggest things are the online coaching, being asked to guest podcasts and stuff like with wonderful women like yourself. And then the essential oils are, are huge. And then once we get back out, we'll be going back to doing the live events and, and speaking. I want to comment something on the oils. The oils do work. Since the headache to everything else, they are healthy. That's why they are essential. And you made a great point from going from like headaches to everything. And that's where it comes from, the holistic side of it. Because when you have a headache, the last thing you want to do is really go and be intimate. So when we look at you as an individual and some natural modalities that will help, if we get rid of your headache, we also boost your energy, you're then going to go and carry that into your relationship. There is any woman in particular that inspire you in your life? My mama. I love it. (laughs) I love my mom. My mom is the kindest woman I've ever met. She's also like my mom is a true angel and she's someone that has really taught me the meaning of love and generosity. And and what I do has a lot to do with my mom and my why. My mom is a huge part of my why because like many women, my mom has dealt with her own internal things around not feeling like she's got so many gifts in her life and stuff around body image issues when we grew when we I was growing up and and all that type of, of stuff. And it's something that I see so common with women and seeing the beauty in my mom from the inside out and the outside in. I do what I do because I never want to see another woman 
stand in that position. And this makes me emotional. I wouldn't be who I was or I am without my mom. And I never want to see my mom not love herself the way that I know she loves the rest of the world. So she would be my biggest everything. That's so beautiful. I, I share this with you. If you would have the opportunity to tell advice to your 50-year-old Jessica, what it would be? Don't stop. You're just getting started. You're always going to change. It's always going to evolve. You'll never find perfect clarity in everything. Just do it. Whatever it is in that moment, you know the intention behind it. Just do it. And don't ever stop. It does not matter what people think or say. You're doing it from a gift that has only been given to you that nobody else needs to understand. If you would have the power right now to ask sincerely for any kind of help through this moment, the pandemic situation, what it would be? Like if I was asking for help from other people? Yes. Ooh, my help would be to spread the word, to share my content, to share this podcast, and to really open up to connecting with other women and asking for help themselves and continuously just share it. Because I think that what the conversation you and I had today is such an important conversation that touches many women and men's lives. And the more people see this conversation happening, it naturally gives them the permission to have the conversation. So if I could ask for help, it would be to constantly dive in and share this type of content so that it becomes the new norm. Any favorite quote that you love and it's like your mantra? I have so many quotes that I read and I love so much, but I never stick to just one. For me, the one that always stands out and it's not so much a quote from somebody else. It's more an internal belief for me that I, I just love so much is understanding our sexual energy. And what I say all the time is sexual energy is stronger than life energy because it creates life. And without sexual energy, human beings wouldn't exist. So for me, the importance of understanding the taboo and the shame around that is so important because without it, you and I wouldn't be here. Are you reading something super interesting that you would like to share? What I'm getting into right now is Mantak Chia. So I've actually not just gotten into him. I've been reading his books forever, but he talks about like Taoist traditions and different pleasure principles and stuff. So he's really important. And then I'm, I'm digging more into the emotional side and I'm learning a lot about different strengths. And what it is, is understanding our strengths. Because what we get taught so often is that we need to get better at our weaknesses so that they're no longer our weaknesses. But what we don't know necessarily or have not talked about so much is that we're actually born with our own individual strengths. And instead of paying attention to our weaknesses, why don't we learn and evolve within our strengths so that we could set up our life around that because that's who we naturally are. That is what I'm getting into heavily right now because I also love working with the strengths in relationships. Because if I can look at your strengths and I can look at your husband's strengths, then I can allow you guys to see how you both excel. So when he does something, you could be like, he's doing that because of this, this, and this, instead of you being like, well, my strength is this. So now I'm judging the way you're doing it. You can understand who each other are and how you can co-create based on those. So I'd say right now, my, my biggest learning is around strengths. Love it. There's anything else that you would like to share that we haven't mentioned? 
we've mentioned a lot. So a lot. I, and I, I feel like with you, I can do like another podcast, like another topic and it's just so much to dig in. But mm-hmm. there's anything that you haven't mentioned that you would like to say? Well, like you said, we can probably keep going forever and ever. And if you're ever wanting to do another podcast, I'm definitely here for that. If, if any of your, your ladies want, have many questions, I'm definitely here. But at the end of the day is to look in the answers are within you. And I know it's so easy to look outside of ourselves, but if it feels right to you, you know what I'm going to do is take this full circle. And when I said to, when you said to me, what you do is not normal. It's not like a category of something that you necessarily go to school and you just learn this is it doesn't matter. If you have a strength, if you have a passion, if you have a a love, that is your purpose. Look at the experiences that you've gone through in your life, dark or not, and see what you have become, who you have become in that. That is your purpose. Those lessons that you've learned your whole life is the reason why you're here on this planet. And people may not understand your why, but your why is not meant for them to understand. It's only there for you. And the more you speak on this, the people that are supposed to learn and grow from you will naturally. It has nothing to do with you having a specific title that some other person has created. Mm -hmm. You get to be you. You get to create that title whatever that may be. So to me, I'm like a holistic intimacy coach and speaker. And that's just, it just kind of naturally explains what I do. And I'll get deeper into that with people. But to say that I have to be a psychiatrist to be able to have these conversations or whatever it may be is just imposter syndrome. I know that I have things to offer and I know that I have things that won't align with everybody. And there's seven, almost 8 billion people in this world. And I'm not here to appease everybody. But if I can leave one person better than I found them, then that's what matters the most to me. You're a wonderful woman and human being. Sincerely, thank you so much for being able to share your knowledge, your experience through life in the tough moments and being here as a human being to want to help others. This is like just wonderful. Thank you for your time and for your energy. And I mean, I love it. I was really, really excited for this interview. I couldn't wait for everything you you (laughs) offer. How can people reach you out? Right now, a lot of people are reaching out to me on Instagram. And it's just my name at Jessica Moforth. You can also find me on Facebook or you can send me an email, jessica.moforth at gmail.com. But I would say Instagram is probably the best way to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much from one powerful woman to another. I had such a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you again for having me be a part of such a dynamic podcast and platform. She is awesome. And through her great example, she reminded me again that no matter how hard life could be sometimes, we are not what we are going through. And it is our power to take the current life circumstances in the way that will change our path in a positive direction. Stay safe and healthy there. And remember, you can do anything you want. And until next time, truly yours. If you like this podcast, please go on iTunes or any other platform and give us five-star review. That would help me to reach out to more like-minded people and help more women to grow their businesses and assist in what they do. Thank you, and don't forget to smile.